Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good day. How are all of you out there? This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the greattalkzone.com internet radio. And I appreciate you tuning in to my show listeners. And as always, I miss talking with you, you know. And how are you all out there? This is a fabulous day that God has given us, you know. And we get the chance to do positive things and think positive thoughts correct any wrong that we have done to ourselves and others, smile, laugh, be lighthearted, don't be serious, be mindful, and awake as you are embarking on another gifted day. Excuse me. And so then here's the question. How are you, Teresa? Well, I'm doing just great. Besides mimicking everything that I have said to you uh, just now, I am filled with joy and excitement as we are going to have a great discussion with my guest, Reginald C. Campbell, mental health therapist. And our discussion is titled, What Do You Think? Well, a lot of people do not think that it is relevant what they think, that their thoughts do not matter. But I am here to tell you that it is very relevant what you think, especially when you bring those thoughts to life. You get my drift? We should always want, listeners, to be careful of what we put into action because there are consequences from these actions, whether they are good or bad. Now, you all remember that. And as usual, this is going to be a great discussion, and the hope is that the takeaway will be that, um, you know, of you of you listening to me and my guests, that you will have learned something of substance that have, you know, enlightened you in some way. Now, I will be bringing on my fabulous guest here momentarily. Here comes the bud. Let's you and I have a little time here to ourselves. Well, let's get this out the way. The weather here is too darn hot, too quick for me. But get this, okay? Today's high is going to be 101 with the low of 71. Yikes and yikes. Now, it was 100 yesterday, just so you know. Now, can you imagine July and what the temperature will be? And tomorrow, the high is going to be 103. And then, look, guys, Saturday is going to dip down to 93. And guess what, listeners? It's going to dip down even further into the 70s for about the next five days. And the lows will be 50s in the 50s. And and then we're going to get some rain on one of those days, okay? Now, and uh, all I'm going to say is, is that is the forecast for now, and I'm sure it is subject to change. Okay, Mother's Day is upon us, the 14th of this month. Now, listeners, we are almost a half of the year already. Wow, time waits for no one. And you know what? The elders used to say that all the time. Time waits for no one. And when you were, you know, uh, coming up, you're like, what do they mean? But I bet you guys know now. So what are we all planning for Mother's Day, you know, for your mom, your wives, your sisters, you know, for example? Well, for me, unfortunately, my mom is not here, but I do have my sister. I have my sister-in-law. I have my daughter-in-law and three very dear friends and one aunt. 
And uh, that's my mom's sister, um, all of whom, by the way, are phenomenal women. All right. Now, listen, my mother came from a large family. And I have talked to you all about this on my show, put it all on the table through mediation. And it was 20 children, which included two sets of twins and one set of triplets. Ow. Yikes. And wow. All right. Now, anyway, she is the remaining of the 20 children. And um, all as all of them have unfortunately transitioned and um. So, um, you know, I want to say to you to celebrate your wives, your sisters, your friends, and anyone else you feel is deserving, not only on this Mother's Day, but throughout the year. And, you know, I also want you to celebrate yourself because celebration starts within. As I've talked to you guys before, you can't give somebody something you ain't got, okay? So as and it all starts with you. Oh, and one last thing. No texting or emailing Happy Mother's Day. Okay, really? Human beings on a big scale are not engaging in what I call the personal touch anymore. You know what I mean? Like handwriting a note of expression of love or gratitude or making a phone call and saying hi and having a conversation. Now, you know, a meaningful conversation, not anything crazy, you know, uh, don't, don't, you know, you don't have to be uh, talking about Donald Trump and his cray cray uh, entourage. Okay. Uh, give that a rest for a moment. Now it don't have to be long either, but the remembrance of the conversation listeners will be long lasting to the receiver or the loving handwritten note on a beautiful card will be cherished because you took the time to do it. And you know what I do, you know, listeners, when I, you know, um, uh, like for, for mother's day, you know, um, you know, maybe, you know, you, you send a card and then maybe pop in, you know, $10, $15 or something like that, if you can, and say, have a Starbucks or tea on me. They would really love that, you know. So, um, okay, that's that for that. Now, you know, I do a lot of research, you know, for interesting topics to share and discuss on my show. And I came across this one. And um, so right now I'm going to bring on my guest. Okay, let me give you the introduction. He is the world's best mental health therapist. I'm looking for him to start writing some of his memoirs on how he um, helped his clients in the mental health arena. And his name is Reginald C. Campbell. Good morning, Reginald. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. And yeah, a little warm yesterday. I'm like, uh, okay, let's not start too early here. Let's not, you know. So, so, so this will be my third summer. You can uh-huh. add. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is my third summer here already. So the first mm-hmm. summer, is, you know, it wasn't wasn't bad. I did the adjustment. Last summer was like, okay, yeah. And this year, I really got it down. Where I'm definitely at Arizona now. And uh, but yeah, let's not get too warm too fast. Yeah. And it's going to be like in the 70s, as I reported, for about four days. And out of one of those days, it's going to be high winds. And then another day, it's going to be experiencing a lot of rain. So, you know, it's like Forrest Gump. It's like a box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're going to get with global warming. Okay. So now let's well, jump into it. Uh, 
you know, yeah, you know, anyway. they're, you know, they're ignorant. So, <laughs> you know, we're, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to touch on them sometime in this uh, discussion, but I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I mean, he's, he's just really, uh, a Maylock's <laughs> moment. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. <laughs> now, now, you know what, uh, Reginald and even maybe my listeners, you know, as I said, I like to do research, you know, and I, you know, I'm getting started early here because I have a lot that I want to discuss and I want to read to you, um, um, about this documentary that I came across. Okay. Now I'm going to start off uh, by saying original that 435 students who attend Strawberry Mansion High School and it's located in Philadelphia. Have you ever heard of that school, Reginald? No, but I, but I love the name. That's cool. Strawberry yeah. Mansion. Strawberry Mansion. Yeah. Now, now this this high school once was home to fifty thousand Jews. Um, you know the the it's it's a Strawberry Mansion community, and of course the the high school was married named Strawberry Mansion, and it was a very prosperous neighborhood at one time. And that in nineteen thirty three, Franklin D Roosevelt and his wife visited the neighborhood as one of his campaign stops, and now it is considered one of the most dangerous high schools in America. Now, this was being reported by Diane Sawyer on her segment, Hitting America, back in May 31st, 2013. And it was filmed six months before she aired it on May 31st, 2013. And she also visited the school. Okay. Now, 40% of the residents live in poverty, Reginald, and it has a record number of assaults. Now, these students are going you know, they're doing their best to get an education regardless of the consistent fights and high level of disrespect that goes on at this school daily. For example, there's 49 serious injuries occurred at this school constantly. Uh, when Diane was filming the documentary, girls were attacking each other, you know, and some of these girls even attacked the teachers. They set fires to the school. Now, there's this woman. Her name is Linda Linda Clyatt Wayman, and she is now the principal of the school. And she was the principal of the school, Reginald, when they filmed this documentary initially. And she used to be an assistant uh, superintendent before taking on the job as principal. Now, she had to take on the job as principal because she could not find anyone to take on the job as a principal at the school. She searched and she searched, and she said that one woman came forward and said she'll do it, but she said as she was interviewing the lady, Rachel, she lifted up her shirt and there was a device hooked to her side. And she asked the lady, what is that? She said, it's a hard monitor. She said, it may kill me, but I'll do it. And so, of course, she passed on that. And um, she said that she was, you know, you know, very bewildered and forlorn. She said and she was, you know, in her prayer one day and she heard a voice very loud, loud say to her, you do it. And so she uh, she said that was God speaking to her. So she said, that's why I can't find a principal because I'm the principal. So she quit her job as superintendent and um, she became the principal. Now, um, she said that the kids there would come to school with tin foil, knives and Vaseline racial. So you would be slippery, you know, during a fight. And Diane Sawyer noted that there are there were 94 cameras in the school at that time when they filmed it. And she's and the principal told her, and yes, we need even more. Now, Diane was asking her, why do you have so many cameras? She says, well, these cameras are there to protect these kids who are wanting to acquire an education. And she was highlighting a couple of kids. The first one I'm going to talk about, Reginald, her name is Malaysia. And she says she wants to attend school, get a scholarship and make her dad proud. 
Now keep that in mind. Make her dad proud. But this young lady got punched in the face and her mouth when Diane Sawyer was there. And she said that she's bullied a lot because she's little. Okay. And Diane then talked to another small student. That's what he called himself. And his name is Razak, R-A-Z-A-K. And he was in the ninth grade. And he says that he protects himself with his words. And she followed this young man home. And um, he says that he's interested in chemistry. She was asking him, what is he interested in? He says he's interested in chemistry, Reginald, the atoms, and he likes to, and he likes the periodic table. And Diane noted that he shoulders a lot of responsibility for his mom and his sisters. As Diane was there, it was one, uh, like a hot plate and it was cooking a pot of potatoes. And that's, that was their, that was going to be their meal for the day. Now, um, he, uh, was very pride, pride, uh, prideful of his junior military uniform and he was showing that to her as they were, um, you know, interviewing and he had it laying on the chair. Now, when there is Parents' Day at the school, Reginald, this one teacher, he has 70 children, and only one parent showed up, and that was Malaysia's dad, who I talked about earlier. Now, out in the hallway, they were filming Malaysia's dad. He was very angry at her, okay? He was very angry at her uh, in this video as her grades had slipped some, Reginald, because of bullying and fighting. And he's telling her, you use your brain as he works construction, and he's telling her, he uses his hands to make a living and that he expects more uh, from her. Now, what do you think about what I said so far, Reginald? Well, it's a lot. Uh, boy, that's a lot. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, kudos to uh, the, the young the, the woman who uh, stepped down as a superintendent to, to take over that school. Uh, kudos to her for that. And kudos for, for the two uh, kids that, that you were talking about. Um, but we have to go back to uh, everything that's happening as a systemic issue. And this mm-hmm. is something that I've seen in the, you know, 28, 29 years that I've been in social services therapy. I've worked in communities like that and attended schools like that and worked with principals and teachers of, of schools uh, like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a systemic problem that begins with the family and then that issue bleeds over into the government. And that's mm-hmm. what I mean by the government. Uh, because uh, the, the Constitution says uh, for the people, by the people, and for the people. Okay, so the government, unlike what people hear and say, a lot of these politicians are saying now, starting with Reagan, that government is bad, government is good, I mean, government isn't good, whatever. Government is for the people. It's to help people. Our government is supposed to lend a healthy hand to people, to children, mm-hmm. to feed mm-hmm. children. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, we have to go back again. We saying this is a government issue, and, and and we can't get away from this. You know, mm-hmm. we can't get away from this. That's the shame that everyone in this country is not covered in, in medical insurance. You know, yeah. so, so so all of this, I mean, it, it's a government and it's a and it's a family issue that all are connected to each other. And by cutting programs, which is what has been happening in this so-called administration and, and every Republican administration since Reagan, is not the answer. It's not the answer that Ronald Reagan administration 
cut food program declared mm-hmm. ketchup as a vegetable so they could cut back on food love program. You know, so mm-hmm. all of this has something to do. And when people are hopeless, when people are hopeless, they do things that they normally wouldn't do simply to survive. And and so it's a problem that everybody is responsible for. You know, the Bible says, I am my brother's keeper, and I believe that is the government. We are our brother's keeper. We can't mm-hmm. look at someone else and just say, you know, when I meet someone, if I meet a new client, um, and I don't care if they're homeless, if they just got out of jail, if I always say, tell me your story. That's the first thing I tell them. Tell me your story. I yeah. want to know about you. Yeah, because everybody had everybody has a story. Everybody has a story, you know, because you were born of this world, in my opinion, to do great things. You were born from greatness. So therefore, you were here to to do great things, you know. And um, but, it you know, this is a very good documentary. Now, I would like to say, um, uh, Reginald, that the principal, <clears throat> they did revisit the school um, in 20. 2014. Okay. Now this is a, a like a, you know, like a, a, a year something later. Okay. Now it's reported that she stopped the violence in half. She doubled the numbers of seniors in this school being accepted into college. But some of, but some of the seniors was telling her that they do not have the few hundred dollars, which is like $200. That's what they said they needed. To get to secure a spot in college of their choice. That's all they needed, Reginald, was $200 so that they could secure and the, and the principal was in tears. Now, you know, and, and, and so, you know, she, she was just crying, you know, in this video. And as she states to the students as they leave on a daily basis to be careful as they are going home and that education is the only way and it is your ticket. Education is your ticket. And if no one else has told you that I love you today, remember that I'm telling you that I love you. And she told him that I look forward to seeing you the next day or, you know, Monday or whatever. And and from what I got from looking at the documentaries, I viewed several of them in its entirety <clears throat> relating to the story, is that one of the main components um, that that was, you know, that that these children are missing is four letters, love. That's what they were missing. Because when this, this, this principal gathered these kids and she would hug them all the time and tell them, I love you. And that when they were fighting and she got into the midst of the fight, I'm looking at the documentary and she stopped them from fighting and she got them and she told them to take a deep breath, you know, breathe, you know, know that I love you and things. This is one of the things that turned them around. But however, to Reginald, the parents have a big, responsibility as well, you know, of making sure um, uh, that their child has, you know, not just like with Malaysia's dad was telling her, you know, um, you know, to think with your head. Okay. I agree with that. Think with your head and everything, but you know that there is also, it's got to also be cumbersome for her and she's being picked on and everything all the time as she's trying to get her studies as well, you know? Yeah, it has to be, it has to be hard for her and, and, and bless her heart and thank goodness that she has, uh, uh, a dad, uh, 
who's who's in there uh, with her help and her it this style mm-hmm. that was do the movie some years ago of uh, the story uh, with Samuel L. Jackson uh, when mm-hmm. she became uh, the principal of, of this one school. And just what you're talking about, I'm thinking of um, this last year, um, my co-worker and you, Sarah, and I, we uh, got together and purchased the uh, uh, graduation outfit for, for one of the kids. Uh, well, actually, she wasn't one of our clients. She was the sister of one of our clients, and she didn't have the money for her cap and gown and <laughs> things like that. And, and Sarah and I spent the money, uh, you know, to do that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not one of those, hey, look at me, what I did. Uh, it's one of those, and I've done this so many times, you know, in different situations. Uh, that was just for graduation, but just food, you know, whatever. So it's not one of those, look at me, what I did. It's one of those, look at me, this is what I'm supposed to do. Exactly. And the thing is, is that, you know, just like you were talking about the story of Samuel Jackson, I was, you know, doing my best to, uh, to, I'll try to come up with the story, but I'm sure that a lot of the listeners out there, if they just Google Samuel Jackson and uh, his movies or whatever, they, they will come upon it. But that also was a true story. Now, the 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 thing is, is that the the latest, um, the most recent um, information about Strawberry uh, Mansion was uh, in May of 2016. There was a gentleman um, a Jewish gentleman who grew up there and he was talking about how prosperous it was there and how beautiful it was. And he was showing the Jewish synagogues that still sit there. But of course, you know, they're all beaten down and torn apart and things like that. Now, um, if you guys are interested, you can go on YouTube and, um, there is a, 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 you know, a great interview that's, um, on, on May 12, 2016 and the interviewers, um, Mukal, Panda and a Marie Christine Balabanian and they were interviewing Linda Clyde Wayman and she talks and she was talking extensively Reginald about how she became the principal and how she turned the school around and then they were asking her well just what is the one you know some of the main things you did and she said I had hope and I said to myself okay there's that word again the audacity of hope and how she also infused that into the negative situation, and she also had to turn the teachers and the students around. You know, so I want to say that there's a lot of stories out there that's like this, Reginald. There's a lot, but there's not enough. Obviously, there's not enough out there, and um, they uh, certainly are not being told on the grand scale the stories that are out there. You know, educating the populace on this matter. You know, this very interesting story. You know, and as I said, I employ you all to, to uh, you know, to go and listen to it if you like. And particularly all of those of you listening to me who are uh, educators is so inspiring. You know. Okay, let's get into it. The title of my show's conversation is "What Do You Think?" All right. Now, with so much animosity and discernment in our world, Reginald, do you think that people will ever see the light, let's say, within the next year, that being obnoxious just isn't the way to go? Well, here's that word, hope, again. And and, and I do. I, I, I do. I, I have hope because when there's no hope, there's there's nothing. Nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. This is something that um, uh, people who, uh, you know, commit suicide, take their lives and things like that. You know, some people say, well, what, what happened? What, you know, what, 
no hope for that person doesn't see any change or no hope. Um, you know, people take drastic measures. So I'm hopeful that mm-hmm. people will eventually see the light um, uh, from things that are happening, how, what, what's going on, you know, in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it has to, it has to, a light has to be shined upon that before you can see in the darkness, you have to turn on the light. And, um, you know, we need to turn on the light of some of the things that have, have happened and continue to happen in this country, uh, mm-hmm. this administration in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was talking, um, you know, with uh, a friend of mine um, the other day. And a matter of fact, she's going to be on my show very soon. She's going to be talking about wellness. Um, and um, she was saying that she doesn't she doesn't see that they're ever going to change, um, you know, that people are not going to change. Well, that's a very generalized statement to me. You know, she's a good friend of mine. I love her dearly. But, you know, that doesn't mean I have to agree with everything that is said. And, um, my, my thing, my thing is this, that I am certain that there are a lot of people out there that are displaying hope. But once again, the, um, the, 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 uh, powers to be that are reporting the news, what they want people to see are not going to report that. They're, you know, they may report, you know, uh, women out in the street marching or, um, um, or, or some other, you know, event that's relating to the marches about something the government is doing or something that, uh, Donald Trump has said and done or wants to do or whatever. But, um, I do feel, Reginald, that there are people out there that, 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 uh, that do have hope. They are, um, displaying hope and hope has taken effect in some areas, but they just aren't displaying it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the, the, the media, um, the corporate media, because that's what it is now with, with all of the changes that were, that were made, uh, in the FCC through the Reagan administration, were now, you know, conglomerates to buy up, uh, a gazillion radio and television properties. There, there was a time, you know, 30 some odd years ago where you could only own one major radio and television property in a major market, for instance, you know, Chicago PBS, okay, Columbia Broadcasting Company, okay, mm-hmm. you own Channel 2, you own WBBM Radio, and, um, uh, oh, I can't, can't remember the, uh, the uh, FM, FM uh, station. Uh, so those are the only properties that, that CBS could own. Now CBS could buy up as many radio television properties as, as they want. Uh, so mm-hmm. it has become um, a corporation, and corporations, bottom line, are profit, uh, profit mm-hmm. to the shareholders, uh, not to what's the so-called entertain, you know, as they say, but but it's the profit. So, so they're they're not going to report, and they have. I mean, there's things that Nancy Pelosi has been talking about. There's things that Elizabeth Warren has been talking about. That mm-hmm. MSNBC, CNN, who are the two properties that I listen to, can only stand there for so long. They don't even cover it because it's not juicy enough. It's not um, uh, uh, maybe what they're seeing is profitable. It's, it's, 
Yeah, it, it isn't it isn't uh, what's going to get uh, continue the, the salacious thought pattern that has been, you know, that the pill has been dropped. You know, the people, you know, it, it's not the Kool-Aid that they're going to be drinking out of, you know. But and I will also like to throw Bernie Sanders in there. Um, he he was here in Arizona uh, recently, about a week or a couple of weeks ago. And um, and I don't you know, and I hadn't heard any big coverage about him. Uh, what he said mm-hmm. or anything, but if um if 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 big eared sessions or buggy eyed Ryan was to come here now, oh, it'd be a big, you know, huge coverage about about them and the yeah. crazy stuff that's crazy stuff that they're saying. But see, the, the, you know, I'm you know, is it's you know, so I feel that there's going to have to be some type of turnaround, but you know, with with the Democrats, especially now. Speaking of Elizabeth Warren, you know, she's written a book. And um, so she she has been doing the circuits, but they're not even covering the circus. And one other thing that I want to bring bring to your uh, attention, Reginald, I don't know if you know this or not, but you did um, bring up MSNBC. Now, there, there's been talk that I have been reading is that the power to be on MSNBC wants to demote, um, you know, people like um um, not Chris Matthews, but um, Rachel Maddow and things like that, and wants to promote more of stuff that's being talked about by Trump. I was Brian and I were reading that, um, you know, and hearing this, and we were like, what kind of sense does that make? You're going to lose viewership, you know, and um, they were talking about AM Joy, for example. AM Joy, just on one of her broadcasts, get did, they reported 939,000 listeners okay so she's the highest but they're not they're not bragging about that you see what i'm saying yeah it's it's ridiculous that they bring in Greta, who i you know cannot watch no it was fox and and sold her soul to fox until they got tired of her and kicked her out and you know they they would bring her in there but but you have Rachel Maddow, who, well, they can try that with Rachel Maddow if they want to and, and see what possessors do. She has big numbers. And why would you bring in uh, Greta when you have Joy Reid? You know, again, uh, you know, I mean, so mm-hmm. try to, you know, it's, it's like top 40 radio. You know, yeah. the top 40 songs over and over and over and over, and over. yeah. And over again, you know, mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. you just get sick of it, but that's what they say. Oh, that's what people want to hear. You want to hear these 40 songs over and over and over again. No, I want to hear something different also. But that's still exactly. the mindset that the corporate people have. And it's unfortunate because it doesn't work and it has been proven that it doesn't work. You know, since you're talking about radio stations, you know, radio stations that play that one song or, or, you know, like you said, the top 20 over and over and over again. And if they were to compare their viewership with another station that plays a variety of music throughout the, you know, throughout the years, but kind of on the same genre, maybe or maybe a mix of it, but it's relating to, they have much more listener um, uh, ratings than someone who's playing those those same top 20, <laughs> you know, um, Taylor Swift and all of those kind of songs again. I mean, you know, come on. It's, it's ridiculous. Okay, now, I want to move on to the discussion of marijuana, Reginald. 
Now, I pulled up uh, an article by uh, uh, Malia Robinson dated January 8th, 2017, and it's titled, Here's Where You Can Legally Smoke Weed Now. All right. Now, the United States is gradually becoming the land of red, white and green. After his after a historic election cycle, which saw four states pass ballot initiatives legalizing non-medical marijuana, one in five Americans now live in a state where it's legal to smoke weed without a doctor's letter, Reginald. Now, the history is on track to post the industry, rather, and it's going to go in history, too. The industry is to is is on track to post. Are you ready for this? Twenty point two billion in sales by twenty twenty one. Now, here for all of you, ed, 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 for all of you out there for your edification, here's a, a, a list and I'm going to tick off a few things where Americans can light up legally so far, Reginald, in 2017. Okay. Alaska. Adults 21 and over can light up in Alaska. California, the first state to legalize medical marijuana back in 96 became even more pot-friendly in 2016 when it made it legal to use and carry an ounce of marijuana without a prescription. Colorado, okay, um, Maine, all right. In 2016, Reginald Maine election gave mariners the right to possess a whopping 2.5 ounces of marijuana, more than double the limit in most other states. Massachusetts, began allowing residents to carry and consume plants in their homes, Reginald. They can grow it in their houses now. Nevada, okay, Oregon, and Washington. Now, here's something about Washington. Their dispensaries in Washington raked in over $1 billion in non-medical marijuana sales since the drug was legalized for recreational use back in 2012, Reginald. Now, Washington, D.C., residents in the nation's capital voted in overwhelming favor of legal non-marijuana in November 2014. Now, here's my question to you. What do you think about legalization of marijuana, Reginald? And do you think that by legalizing marijuana in this country that it has opened doors for the flood of inept people to smoke it willy-nilly and then engage in heinous acts and then blame it on the drug use. <laughs> well, um, it, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous slippery uh, smoke uh, because I have um, some people that I that I work with that I've worked with in the past, uh, not employees but, but clients um, mm-hmm. uh, who are are dealing with. Um, mental health issues, uh, but now mm-hmm. are, are able to legally uh, purchase marijuana. Actually, uh, uh, there's a, a, a head shop in, in, in Casa Grande, actually, where, you know, if you have your marijuana cards, you can go in and, you know, look around and purchase, you know, some things and, um, you know, walk out legally with it. And there mm-hmm. are definitely some people who, you know, and especially the synthetic some of the synthetics that are being sold uh, in, in the shop that just do not jive with uh, a person who has uh, a mental, mental illness and or if they're taking psychotropic medication at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's really a dangerous situation. Yeah, but what, but what about these people that go out and 
commit these crimes. Like there was a, a, a story on the news this week where they arrested a man here in the state of Arizona and um, he admitted that um, the, the interviewer, this was on Channel 3, the interviewer was asking him some questions. And one of the questions he was asking him, um, you know, I'm paraphrasing, was, you know, uh, well, what type of drugs did you use? He said, all of them. I used all of them. He said, and it's the drugs, man. It's the drugs that's making me go out here and commit these crimes. Now, um, do you come into contact, Reginald? With people, since you are in the mental um, health industry, and I know that you deal with these people, do you come into contact with these people that says that says to you, "Well, it's the drugs that made me do these crimes"? All, all the time for the past twenty eight, twenty nine years, yeah, um, and and that's just <clears throat> that's just uh, passing the buck, that's just passing the thing. You know, I'm only doing this because I want drugs. Well, you know, you can get. You can get help for that. There are programs that can help you with that if you have a substance use uh, problem. So, so that's uh, just the one who doesn't want to look inside themselves and see that this is a problem, um, and you know that they need to make changes in in their life. So, if this is something that uh, you know controlling you, where where you can't control it, and making you do something that you don't want to do. Therein lies the problem. Therein lies the basic problem. And so do mm-hmm. you continue to do that and use that as an excuse? You, you know, it's like the, you know, the joke, the guy goes to the doctor, he says, the doctor, my arm hurts every time I do this. And the doctor says, stop doing that. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same thing. If the drugs are making you do this, they get help mm-hmm. and stop doing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now this is a good segue into the next, what do you think? Uh, question. And um, I'm starting off by saying, as of late, there has been talks within the media and in conversations you and I have shared and conversations that I have had with others, just in general conversations about the rise of mental illness among the generalized, generalized population here in this country, or let's say seemingly rise or uh, rise of lack of mental health in this country. Now, this is being attributed to the outlandish and salacious acts that are being done by human beings around the country. Now, the news is bombarded with story after story, and I can tell you how people, you know, how people act and talk to each other. Now, can we say some of these reality shows? I mean, it's off the chain. As a as a mental health therapist, Reginald, do you think there is a rise in mental health illness? And if so, you know, give my listeners, you know, like one example that you see that's attributing to the rise of mental illness? Um, I can give you two. Uh, okay. And the breakdown of, of the American family, and actually three uh, uh, cutback in services um, through the government, where now programs where, you know, people were able to go and get help, now they're not able to get help, they're homeless. Um, uh, our veterans who come back from, from serving, you know, now uh, they have issues. Now, now they're homeless, so so that's actually four four reasons. So, um, uh, a lot of the cutback in the services uh, that and and, and 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 we just can't get around. Um, you know, you know, people said, oh, you know, government is bad, government is this. You know, we can't get away from 
not putting the government in the middle of this because these programs are being cut back. These programs are being eliminated that help mm-hmm. people with mental illnesses, that help a, mm-hmm. a person, a kid that has mental illness, and, and the parents, um, you know, normally they could we would be able to get assistance or, or their insurance that their job doesn't cover everything. You know, mm-hmm. they cut back in services. And so now all of this is being exposed. And, mm-hmm. and again, you know, you throw in substance abuse, um, throwing out veterans. So, so those are my four reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, because you brought up a good point, OK, that, you know, uh, that there is there are cutting back, uh, you know, cut back in services, um, even stemming way back from from Ronald Reagan, what he did with the, um, the um, you know, the individuals who were mentally um, um, ill. Um, when you have a, a client that that has, you know, mental illness issues. And with these services being cut back, how do you get around assisting them? You know, like if they need something, let's say if they need something, oh, I need, I don't know, some type of psychotropic drug, drug or whatever. And let's say that they may not be able to afford that that drug, or may they may not be able to go to that facility for help. How? What is it? What What other extensions can you give to that person that needs these assistance? Um, we have to just continue to look around and see what, where uh, we could we could help that person if if they're not, uh, for instance, if they're not on on access, uh, we assist them getting on access so they can um, you know receive their <clears throat> receive their medications um, uh, through the agency that I work or or a different agency in in the community. So, mm-hmm. so try and look at other other venues. This is something that 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 I can't do as as an individual therapist or the uh, the place that I work. Uh, then we look at other entities. There may be another organization in that in the community or or in Phoenix that will be able to help that person. So so a lot of times it's it's um, you know sometimes you have to hunt and sometimes you have to you know look. For those things that can, that can help that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, because I hear a lot of people, you know, just talking, um, you know, um, in general about uh, they don't know what to do. Uh, they need uh, this kind of assistance and that kind of assistance, and um, and and they they are not um, able to get it. And I I just think that that there uh it could be for either a few reasons one maybe they're not right with with the right organization another reason they may be with the right organization but maybe not with the right person who knows how to influence what it is that they need and and three they just don't want to you know do the push and maybe four they don't have the wherewithal in knowing how to do the push to get what it is that they need for uh, themselves or their loved ones that that are that are needed some type of um, assistance in uh, mental illness. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to take a break right now. We've talked about a lot of interesting um, topics here, and I'm asking you to get up and stretch, get your coffee and your tea, and come back with me and my guest. Stay tuned. Back 
to Here's Teresa on TalkZone.com with Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you. Thank you for returning with me and my guest, Reginald C. Campbell, the world's best mental health therapist. As uh, we are uh, discussing uh, the topic of our show today is what do you think? And um, so I, I want to jump into another, um, you know, discussion here. Now, um, this is being reported on CBSNews.com. This was reported on the 3rd of uh, May 2017, Reginald. And it says that the title is One Day Out the Slurs, MLB Star Saluted, But Players Say Racism Persists. Now, the, the article says Baltimore Orioles star Adam Jones received a huge standing ovation just one day after being subject to racial taunts at Boston's Fenway Park. The Salute Tuesday was a moment of redemption for Boston and the Red Sox. Jones said uh, his fans at Fenway Park Monday hurled peanuts and repeatedly used a racial slur against him. Jackie Robinson broke the Major League Baseball color barrier shortly after World War II, but Adam Jones reminded us that despite Robinson's efforts over 70 years ago, African-American players are still subject to racial uh, to racism inside the ballpark, even in 2017. OK, now the article also goes on, goes on to say when asked by a reporter, at a press conference on Tuesday, how often is he called the N-word? Jones replied, um, it's a good question. I don't know how many fingers I have and toes to keep count. Now, sobering words spoken by one's baseball most respected players, Jones said the racial slurs are nothing new. But what he heard from fans inside Boston's Fenway Park was the worst he's ever experienced in his 12-year career. It's it's just something that caught my attention. I heard the N-word. I just was like, okay, this is really how it is going to go down, Jones said on Monday's game. I don't need any special treatment. Treat me as a normal, just keep the racial stuff out of there, Jones said. Now, are you familiar with what I just got through talking about, Reginald? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with that, and... And I think this is just the microcosm, microcosmism of our society today. Um, um, not only did uh, Jackie Robinson, you know, a lot of people talk about Jackie Robinson, but we have a tendency to forget about Larry Doby. Larry Doby was the second person to break the, break the racial barrier uh, uh, for the Cleveland Indians um, a year or so after Jackie Robinson. Uh, Larry mm-hmm. Doby experienced the same things as Jackie Robinson, but you know, usually when you're the second person, you know, you're the you're the second person. And uh, Larry Doby eventually ended up uh, uh, managing the Chicago White Sox back in the back in the mid '70s and things like that. But this is something mm-hmm. that you know, one of my favorite baseball players, Reggie Jackson, experienced in, in the '70s uh, when he was playing for the Yankees and and playing for Oakland and uh, Reggie Smith when he was playing for the Dodgers in the 70s and, and late 50s, early 70s. Uh, Lou Brock when he played for the Cubs. And, and, you know, so, so, so this is something that unfortunately is, is, is part of our, and again, unfortunately is part of, 
society. And now, mm-hmm. with the political atmosphere, the people think that it's okay that now every knucklehead is coming out of the woodwork thinking that he or she can say these things. And yeah. you know, eventually it's going to be someone being hurt. Or some, you know, and I, you know, I, as, um, you know, I talked earlier on, you know, um, on my show and, um, you know, with you and other guests, you know, that my, my hope, you know, is that people see that, you know, there is no win-win situation with this racism crap, you know, because number one, you know, people mindsets are different. This is not, you know, slavery. Going forward to that, this is not the 1960s, you know, and um, 70s, you know, when they were, you know, upticking, you know, with with some of the racial um, uh, slurs and acts. And this is 2017. The people's mindsets are totally different. So, um, but the article goes on to say, Reginald, that the Orioles manager Buck Showaller said, "I can't sit here and profess that I know how Adam feels. Like I've, like I've said before." I have never been black, so I'm not going to sit here and and act like I know. Has it happened to me before? They were asking him, and he said, yes. It's happened to probably the majority of black players in the game, said Chris Young, an outfielder for the Red Sox. It's not just Boston. It's society. This, unfortunately, is how society is. And uh, the Red Sox starter, Chris Sale, stepped off the mound to give fans a chance to cheer Jones a little more Tuesday night after, you know, with all of this outbreak of racial slurs and peanuts and things being, being thrown, thrown at him. So do you have any more thoughts about that original of, you know, what I said? Uh, Well, Buck Walter, I think that was a generic. And and I followed his career when he played and I was mad at it. That was a generic answer, but you know, He's playing the company line. And it's easy to say, well, I don't know what it feels like uh, because I haven't been black. Uh, that's like saying, well, I don't know what it feels like to be disrespected as, you know, for a woman to be disrespected because I'm not a woman. Uh, no, disrespect is disrespect is disrespect. You don't have to be, I don't have to be a woman to, to know, well, sure, I don't know what it feels like for, you know, to be dealt with feminism. But as a but as a loving, caring person, I know mm-hmm. what it feels like. I know that it's not right, and I know mm-hmm. that you know I have respect for that person. Anything that isn't right is wrong. Period. So you don't have to say, well, you know, I haven't. I've never been black, or I've never been a woman, or I've never been a child, or I've never been such and such. You know, you know, that's that's a corporate mind cop out. So, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And you, you know, you hear, you hear a lot of it. You, you know, you, you hear a lot of it that, that's going on, that's going on now, you know. Um, okay. The next thing, um, I'm, I'm, I'm coming down to the wire here. We got about five minutes. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about, uh, very, very quickly is, um, is bullying. And, um, uh, as I said before, bullying has not gone anywhere. As a matter of fact, it has, um, is, is ticking its way up, um, in the, unfortunately, in the ladders of society. And, and, um, that they have now, there are some people, there are some people, Reginald, that's saying that zero tolerance of bullying does not work. As a matter of fact, that it feeds into the, 
pipeline of, of kids from schools to prison. Um, that they say that, that zero tolerance, um, actually has no effect if you suspend a kid or, um, if you, you know, punish him in some, some other kind of way. Um, what do you think about, about that, Rachel, that zero tolerance, uh, does, does not work? That, again, that's, that's a complete cop out. <clears throat> you know, that's, that, that's a complete cop out. It doesn't work. You know, whenever you don't tolerate Anything that is wrong, it works. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you, if a company doesn't tolerate harassment of an employee, if they have zero tolerance, and I can say that this is something that the company that I work for is very big on, there zero tolerance on any disrespectful thing towards each other or the client. It works. Mm-hmm. It works. If you say mm-hmm. to your kids, zero tolerance of disrespect in this house, and you stand up for that, it's going to work. So exactly. You your kids, you know, you say, well, you're not going to disrespect your sister or your brother or walk around here and, and use four-letter words. Um, so if you say, tell me, so you're telling me that if you tell your kid and you're, they're not going to do this, and you stand up to it and, and this is what you implement in your house, that this doesn't work. That's exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah, it is. That's it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And I, you know, I, I heard that I've been reading articles about it and, you know, doing my research and everything. And I'm like, what are you talking about? In the earlier program, when I was talking about Miss Way, uh, Miss Wayman, how she, uh, turned strawberry match in school around, she put in zero tolerance. She said that she talked with the teachers. Uh, about what uh, what she expects for them to do, and if they told her that she was not, they could not do that. Then she told them, "You can't work here. That's it. You can't work here." And she turned that school around. You know, within a uh, less than a year's time. You know, re, you know, are, are there still hurdles that she, you know, needs to climb? Of course, it is. But you know, th- I I still say that 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 zero tolerance factor works. It works. You know. Well, I have run out of time, and I want to say thank you, Reginald, once again for being solid, solid with your your uh, uh, contributions and your comments on my show. I will be uh, airing again two weeks from today, so that will be um, in, in two weeks from today. What is today? The fourth, so that's the twenty-first, and uh, we of course will have another interesting topic, interesting guest. So please go to um, TalkZone.com uh, website, and then you can view what it is that uh, I will be talking about. I ask you to have a blessed day. Be safe. Happy Mother's Day. Early Happy Mother's Day to all of you women that are listening to me out here. This is Teresa E. Keys. Be kind to one another. <laughs>